morning, everybody. Reading is from uh, chapter, uh, the book of John, chapter 1, first five verses. And uh, as Tim preaches on the book of John in the coming weeks, just pray for him and, and pray that the Lord reveals truths to us and knowledge and wisdom. And the first five verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was the same in the beginning with him. All things were made by him, and without him nothing that was made was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men, and it shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. So the scripture of John. Thank you, Dad. I think, I think that's the first time you've read scripture in, since we launched. I mean, like, personally you're reading scripture, but first. <laughs> we need the drum set, Bryce. Oh, man. Uh, you know, we've been given a command for our growth. It's a command for our growth um, and the, how it was written originally, the entire New Testament was originally written in Greek, so it's a gift that we can, we can read it, that Dad can read it in English. Uh, actually, the first man who translated the Bible into English, William Tyndale, uh, the first like major work was actually killed for it and burned at the stake for daring to let common people have access to the word of God. And so uh, we are grateful as common people to have access to the word of God. And, but uh, in 2 Timothy 4, three words were written, keroxon, ton, logon. Keroxon, Tan Lagon, and actually after college, uh, you and I, I went to a place called Dallas Theological Seminary for seven years uh, to learn Greek and stuff like that, and the, um, this was the motto of the entire school, was Keroxon Tan Lagon, which in English is preach the word, and that's uh, exactly how it was written in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, and so we don't start a book like John because we think like, hey, this would be a, a cool thing to do to start the new year. Uh, we, don't, we don't preach the word because we think it even makes for a good church gathering. Uh, we don't preach the word because it has some good suggestions in it and we can take them or leave them however it kind of fits our fancy at the time. Um, we preach the word because it's his words for us and it's his words to us. And we must preach it. We must preach it to follow his lead for us. We preach the word because it's his words for us and it's his design for our discipleship. Like he has designed for our discipleship preaching of the word. And there are many ways that we come to Jesus and there are many ways that we grow in Jesus and preaching his word and receiving the preach word are so key, so key. It's a key rhythm for us every week as we're walking with the Lord. And uh, this week in my office, I, I looked at these two imitation leather binders. <laughs> and um, what these are is uh, every Sunday after, after our gathering, I typically go home, hit the three-hole punch, and put my notes 
of, a, of the sermon in one, these binders. So this is 2019, since we launched in September, and then this is the binder for 2020. So this was like every message. Um, I think there were about Nick preached, Tanner preached. We had some people from out of town, but, but over probably 40, 45 plus messages from 2020. And the thing that when I looked at these this week was I, first of all, like thanked God for giving us his word. Like he, he, he gives us his word uh, then on a rhythm. And it was, I remember Nick and I meeting together and as, as kind of a message was forming in Nick and, and as he proclaimed that to us, yes, Nick was preaching, but it was God's message for us at that time, at this place for us. And he knows us and he knows what we need. And so, um, so, I mean, I thank God for the messages he gave us throughout 2020, every single week throughout 2020. And we needed every one of those. And I don't think I'll ever forget, we had on the calendar during March and April of 2020, and this was even before 2020 started, we had on the calendar that we were gonna preach through the book of Daniel in March and April uh, of 2020. And I still, I mean, Every book of the Bible, all 66 of them are, are amazing. It's God's holy library for us in one volume. Uh, but the book of Daniel, gosh, thinking about a worldwide pandemic where our life is turned upside down and how that happened to Daniel and his goal wasn't to get back to the way it used to be. It was instead to see, like, what does it mean for me to thrive today as one who is following him? And... Uh, I, I'm just so grateful that he gave us that at that time. And as I look at these binders, though, too, I also kind of feel a little ache of a warning. And I think for me, like, I don't ever want to get tired meeting together. I don't ever want to just kind of get so used to the way we set up, the way we tear down, the things we talk about. I, I don't ever want to get so used to and so comfortable with our gatherings that and just kind of go through the motions of worship, go through the motions of this time of the proclamation of the word, uh, go through the motions of communion. It, like I don't want to get used to this environment. Like I mean, for for this our first gathering in 2021, as we come around His Word, K. Roxon Tan Logon preached to us. Like I want each of us to hear it, to like really hear it. And I want each of us to like really be changed. I actually had a person the other day say like, hey, what do you think is the difference between teaching the Bible and preaching the Bible? So like we could be like in the book of Revelation and be like, I'm gonna do a, uh, I'm gonna do a lecture on supralapsarianism, which is like a real theological concept, uh, which is typically like the longest word you can think of. So you hear people mention it, but we could say like, hey, I'm gonna do a lecture on what that is from the book of Revelation, I'm going to teach that. I'd be like, okay, you're, you're teaching a part of theology of the Bible. But it's like, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? And I would say transformation. Whenever the word of God is preached, the goal is not like, man, I learned some really fascinating facts today. Like in a sermon, it should be, I've been changed. I don't ever want to be the same. I don't, I don't want to play church. I don't want to come in and leave as if nothing has happened. I want, I want to be transformed and changed lives, changed lives. And, and we want to see a revival of not like 
me crafting a message. We want to have the word of God actually change us uh, from the inside out. I don't want to be someone who just reads the word and goes on with my life. I actually want the word to read me and to transform my life. And it's special at home. I love waking up before anybody else in the house, having coffee, sitting down, and having a personal time. I, I love that. Uh, I don't schedule any morning meetings because I, I love that time uh, so much. But what is happening here, what happens in community group as we discuss this is special as we come around the word of God, but a gathering of the body of Christ where Kroxon Tan Logon is happening, preaching the word is his design, and it's, it's actually designed for our transformation, step by step. So as we start filling a new binder with the book of John, uh, my prayer is that we would be changed, like pure and simple. And we'll go through this book in a few parts. I've been mentioning some people just to be like, let me know if this is crazy, but here's the way I think we're going to walk through this book, is it's going to be in several different parts, and Lord willing, we're going to go a 12-week run. Uh, so we won't stop week by week through John until we get right up to Easter. So we're going to go 12 weeks, and at the end of 12 weeks, John is 21 chapters. At the end of 12 weeks, we're hoping to reach the end of chapter 3. So, so that's kind of going to be our pace, just to let you know. Uh, I don't think it'll be our pace through all 21 chapters. But man, in the first few chapters, there is such dense, concentrated uh, treasure that we want to take time to mine it and not leave a lot of it in the seam. So, uh, so we're going to go at, at that pace. And uh, there are, I don't know if we mentioned this, but there are these scripture journals there, one is, has a black cover, one has more of a colorful cover. On the inside, they're basically the same, except there's some like drawings in the colorful one, um, if you like the typography type stuff. And so there might be one closer to you, but you want the one that's on the other side. And what I would just encourage you, so those are for you. If we run out, we'll order some more. Uh, but if you could write your name in the front cover, I was thinking we had, um, I was walking in my driveway one day, and I saw... Uh, one of these booklets of a previous book of the Bible that we covered, and it looked like it had been run over, like multiple, like it was starting to become part of the driveway, you know? And so I kind of dug it up, opened the front cover. There was a name in there. I contacted the person. They were like, I've been looking for that. So they had written a bunch of notes in it. So, uh, so please write your name in it. So if you happen to leave it somewhere, we can get it back to you. But where the goal is, is as the Lord is transforming us and laying things on our heart, that we have plenty of space in those booklets to write them uh, and to, to put those on paper so we can go back and see, because we might be like, what was it that the Lord was telling me? Uh, it's a little foggy now, but while it's really clear, uh, we can step into it. So, uh, so what should be our hope? I promise we're going to get to, to verse one, <laughs> but a couple more things. What should be our hope as we go into this multiple part walk through, which will probably take the entire year going through the book of John? What should be our hope of, of like, what's the goal here? What's the goal here? And what is fascinating is John actually told us what the goal is. He told us why he wrote this and what, 
we should expect to happen in our lives as we go through this. And not every book of the Bible has this. Many books of the Bible don't have this. It's a gift to us that the purpose of the book has been given to us. He doesn't write it till chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, uh, but we'll look at it now so we kind of see where we're going. So John 20, 30 through 31 says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So John had firsthand experience of a ton of things that Jesus said and did um, that are not written in his gospel. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So throughout the book, the goal is clear that each of us would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that word Christ is not his last name. It means the prophesied one. Hundreds of years of prophecies from the book of Psalms, Isaiah, many books of the Old Testament. He is the one that all of those prophecies were about. And um, he is also the one, the anointed one, the king of all kings who will reign and rule forever. And many things that were said to David and others that were saying, this is the one that will rule forever and ever. And so when we say Christ, and when Christ is written here, that Jesus, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, John is, is, is praying and pleading that that would be true as we go through this book, true for each one of us in the room, that we would believe that, that he is the Christ, that he is the son of God. And so like we could know those things and not be changed. Hey, I, I, uh, if you give me a quiz, is Jesus the Christ, the son of God? Um, I would say yes. You know, like you could mentally like give assent to that statement, but here he also mentions the why. Like, why does that matter? It matters that by believing, each of us would have life in his name, going from our, our heads to really our hearts. And so hopefully, as, even as those words are spoken, as, as you see those words, as you see those words in, in the Bible, um, man, like, I hope as we see those words that they're like water to a thirsty soul. That you're just like, I would really like that. I would, I would love to have life in his name. And here's what I'd say, man. If like you're here right now and your heart is not yearning to have life in his name, that is an incredible prayer to pray to, to him. Like, Lord, would you give me that yearning? Would you make me want to even want that. Would you put that in my heart? And so, uh, so Lord, I just want to pray that over us as we get ready to step into this book of the Bible, is that, Lord, would we, through this, would our community through this, would our coworkers through this, would our children through this believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord, for all of us, by believing, would we have life in you? Would we feel more alive in 2021 than we ever have? Even if on the surface, it seems like we should be in a funk, but you are doing a work in us that we could only describe as being made alive. And Lord, we just say, would you do that here? You are the guest of honor here. You are the reason we are here. 
And would you do that in us for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you ready to dive in? Okay, so a few things. So John, just as we start and to get appreciation for what he does in verse 1. So John is one of four gospels. The word gospel means good news. And uh, these are four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four books of good news that tell the life, the words, and the works of Jesus. The life, the words, and the works of Jesus. They're all written by eyewitnesses and they're all saying the same thing, but they're truly four different people writing to four different audiences. If, these, if the four gospels were all exactly the same, man, any police officer knows if you interview four teenagers and get the exact same story, it's not the true story, right? Like they've, they've, they've colluded together, right? If you talk to four people and they're basically saying the same thing, but they're telling it from four different, very, very different perspectives, this is legit. They're speaking from their perspective to the people that they are speaking to. Um, Mark's gospel begins with John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. Uh, Luke backs his up a little bit, and his starting point is to the parents of John the Baptist. And that's how, how Luke and how the Holy Spirit guides Luke to start his gospel. Matthew begins with the genealogy, starting with Abraham, going all the way down to the generations to the birth of Jesus, because that was very important to show to the audience that Matthew was writing to that this is the one who all of these prophecies were about, that he would come from this lineage, and he was wanting to show from the get-go, like you, he, this is not happening in a back corner, uh, hidden from the world. This is in plain sight that the light is coming. And so that's how Matthew begins. John starts differently than any other gospel. He starts at the beginning, at the very beginning. He recasts Genesis chapter one, and he starts writing what many people believe to be some of the most beautiful, poetic saying so much with so few words writing that's ever been written. So John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So by saying here in the beginning, John is starting this book in the exact same way that Moses started writing Genesis making a clear connection to the first beginning. And I think, I think one of the powerful things here is John is making it clear he is not introducing anybody new. John is not introducing anybody new. And there he is sharing new information about him, but he's not introducing anybody new. We'll find out quickly that uh, in John that the word here is Jesus. John is making it clear that Jesus has always been God and he's always been with God. Jesus has always been God and he's always been with God, showing a unity and a diversity within the Trinity. The word spoken by Jesus will be the words of God. And like we could say, this is the word of God. Okay, I could tell you like, this is the word of God. But in a greater sense, in a fuller sense, where the word of God, I, I, like this is the word of God. In a fuller sense, though, the word of God does not reside in a book. The word of God resides in a person. And it's from that person that this book comes. 
and we can say, he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And there's a bunch of uh, Greek philosophy uh, using the Greek word logos that, uh, that you can tell even John is, is writing to a Greek philosophical system that they had thought of and that they were operating in at the time, uh, the way that the Jews thought about the Logos too, both of those were like gloriously met in Jesus. But I think for like us and for the philosophies that we live in is that to think of Jesus as the word of God and to realize there are other places in scripture where Jesus is referred to as the word of God. John 1 is at the very beginning of the New Testament, but Revelation 19, uh, and a lot of the ladies of the church have just spent a, a lot of time studying through the book of Revelation. Revelation 19 is much further down the road. And man, we could spend a week just on Revelation 19, but I just, wanna, I just want you to see it in light of John chapter one, verse one. Revelation 19, starting verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood." which would remind us of his blood shed for us on Calvary. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. is that amazing? Like in Revelation 19, is the Word of God and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Truly amazing sight. And as we go through the book of John, man, I just pray that we will each see Jesus in a fresh way. No matter if, if we'll start walking with him today or we've been walking with him for 40 years, that as we encounter this gospel in a fresh light, that we look at Jesus in a fresh way and on his white horse at a different time and a different place, he's referred to as the word of God. So here is John starts off telling us he is the word of God who has always been God and always been with God. Look at verse two, how he then hones in even more. He was in the beginning with God. And as I was going into this in a fresh way, just realized like he didn't have to write this. He didn't have to write verse two. We're given enough in verse one that we would have known verse two. Yet I think he wants to be so clear. Jesus did not begin at Christmas. Like this should be so far from us, so far from our mind is that Jesus didn't begin at Christmas. When you think of a 30 year old man walking the earth in the first century, we're very wrong to say he is 30 without a major asterisk beside it and a large footnote underneath it. Um, he was in the beginning with God. How old is Jesus? The answer is he is eternal. That's how old Jesus is. He has no beginning. If you get in a time machine and you say, okay, just start heading that way as fast as you can. And if you get in a time machine and say, head that way, head, head to the, the past as fast as you can, faster than the speed of light, and when you get to Jesus' beginning, stop, you would never stop. 
He has no beginning. He has no end that is eternal. He was in the beginning with God, and now even more is revealed to us. In the Old Testament, some details were concealed. Now they're revealed more fully in verse three. Look at verse three. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And I think as we get intimately close to Jesus, as we get intimately close to the words and the works of Jesus, as we hear what he says to us, as we follow him during our time going through John, man, would verse three have us at a place that we don't let Jesus get small? We don't let Jesus get small in our lives. I think sometimes it's common that as situations in our life blow up, as situations in our life get big, that Jesus gets really small. And I, I don't want to have a me-sized view of Jesus. Like, I want to have a Jesus-sized view of Jesus in my life. And verse 3 is that we stand on the planet that he made. We breathe air in a system that he designed. Everything is his. There's not one place we could ever be where he can't say, mine. The second person of the Trinity, the Father created through the Son, without whom nothing could exist. Without him was not anything made that was made. His power, his might, his vastness, his creativity, his vision for creation, this is the one that we're going to be invited to walk with. This is the one that we're going to see um, just hopefully do things that take our breath away. Um, yes, Jesus is a moral teacher. <laughs> he teaches us moral things, and it's good to be moral. Like, we're never advocating that we should be an immoral people. We should actually seek holiness because he is holy. He's a moral teacher, but if we ever put him in a box as just a moral teacher, we have made him so small, and we have departed from reality. He is the reason you exist. He's the reason anything exists. Even those who reject him are rejecting the one who made them. We can argue with him, some have killed him, and he is there to rescue them all and us all. Verses four and five then take us to more about him, if all of this wasn't already enough. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And this week, I just kept coming back to, this was like, the section that I just kept coming back to in my mind. And, and uh, I think it would be probably a good idea to, to really consider memorizing these two verses and have them on a three, uh, four by six card or whatever the size of those cards are in your back pocket and just pull them out whenever, um, have it be an alert on your phone. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Life didn't just randomly happen. In him is life. If you remember Adam and Eve, when they're formed, what does God do? Breathes in them the breath of life. What was the source of their life? The breath of Jesus who created all things, breathed life into them. They were just lumps of clay until God breathed into them the breath of life. And you know that um, at a funeral, uh, seeing someone there, you know they're not there. It's their body, but they don't have life in them. 
And, uh, and that was how Adam and Eve were before Jesus breathed into them the breath of life. John is telling us life itself is bound up in him. He is the source. He is the sustainer. He is the fountainhead from where it flows. The life is the light of men. The light, the light we need in the darkness. And my mom was even praying this morning how she didn't even know she was in darkness until her 40s she saw the light. She didn't know she was in darkness. Then when she saw Jesus, she was like, I've been in darkness because now I see the light. To light our way, this light shines in the darkness and um, it's not optional, it happens. And this light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And I think just coming out of 2020, going into 2021, if we're told, hey, you will have the source of life and this life will be your unextinguishable light. It will shine into your darkness. The darkness will be dumbfounded. Would you like this each day in 2021? I mean, come on. Like, and if you say no, uh, man, I would say, God, why did I say no? What is happening in me to make me resist these treasures? Maybe I don't know if they're true. God, are these true? Would you show me they're true? Maybe, man, maybe I'm just in a funk and I want to want that. But God, would you, man, would you be my light in my life right now, even giving me a passion to pursue you throughout the year that this would be my source of life? And then this begs the question, like, why would such treasures be offered to us? Why would such treasures be offered to people like us? We're not that generous if we were in that situation, giving so much to those who, to, who deserve so little. Each one of us, God has given the light, the life. The light has come into the world. The darkness will not comprehend it, will not overcome it. It killed him. Darkness killed him, but could not keep him dead because his life cannot be extinguished. His light cannot be extinguished, which is why he has conquered is alive and well, is on the move in rural central Iowa, and we are expecting him to transform us. It's who he is, it's what he does. There are 15,000, I didn't count these, I looked this up on Google. There are 15,635 words in the book of John. 15,635 words in the book of John. There are 879 verses in the book of John over 21 chapters, and I love how John bursts out of the blocks in five verses and says this much, framing the one that we're now going to get on the ground with and learn from and hear from and observe and walk out of this room with. And I think for each of us, his purpose, our light, our life, is I think a, a massive question for us is just, Will we draw near to the light this morning? Will we draw near to him? Will we draw near to the light and find our life, his life? And, uh, and we don't do that, which I tried to do for so long by, hey, Jesus, you just stay right there. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna like, get everything right so that when I come to you, like, you'll be really glad I'm here. What he wants us to do is just be like, hey, just come as you are. Like, I mean, I'm in the business of being the one who is shining light in the darkness. So don't try and clean up. You don't, don't go to celebrate recovery because you want Jesus to be pleased with you. 
you, giving your life to Jesus frees you, sets you free, forgives you, removes your sin as far as the east is from the west. And in that freedom, you can go to celebrate recovery and be like, hey, I know Jesus is gonna start changing me from the inside out and I am secure in him, but I think celebrate recovery might be a good way to go about that. Um, and it's not to try and get God pleased with you. You're walking confidently in that, even though it might be hard, because he loves you and has done all of this for you. And anxiety might feel like the fuel of our soul right now. Depression might be the best description of us right now. Um, maybe our hearts got so focused on that one thing we wanted for Christmas, or maybe that one situation, that one relationship that was going to totally turn around or was going to just be the best thing ever, and now we're kind of left wanting more, whatever it may be. John 20, 31 again, and we'll, we'll, we'll really wrap with this. John 20, 31 again. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Are you believing? If you're not believing, what's stopping you? And I would just say, would you pray about that? If you're not believing, what's stopping you? And would you pray about that? Would you maybe talk to somebody about that? Um, like, that's one of the reasons that we're doing, that, that we gather, that we gather in community groups, that we're having men's events and stuff like that. It's not to like be this like, bait and switch manipulative thing. It's like get a group of men together, get a group of women together, and to actually focus on eternally important things while we're having fun doing other things too. And it's to give space for that in our busy lives. And so, um, man, would you, would you pray about that? Would you maybe take some initiative in 2021 towards that, towards believing? Uh, then I think another question is just, are we experiencing life in his name? And if you're like, well, maybe 5%. Then it's like, well, what's maybe stopping me from experiencing life in his name? Um, and a lot of times that might feel like so unclear, which I think is good for community and for prayer and for talking with people too. It's like, man, I want to feel more life in Jesus. I want, I want to feel like I'm thriving in 2021 in Jesus. And I think he's saying like, yes, like we're in the right book of the Bible, in the right church with the right group of people to be pursuing him together. Um, so Jesus, I just ask that you would be our light. And I, as we go into this series, would you be our light? Would, would you be our life? Would we not from here hide? Would we not from here um, isolate ourselves to try and clean ourselves up to try to come back? But Lord, here, would we together look to you? Would we together draw near to you? Lord, would you be our light today? Would you shine in our darkness? Would you shine in the darkness of so many things that we'll step into this week? Would you light up our life? Would you be our life? Lord, we, we give this all to you. We give these next 12 weeks to you. Transform us for your glory. Would you give us eyes to, of who needs to be here? We each need to be here. This is not a message for anybody else. But Lord, who else needs to be here? Would you maybe even show us that we may bring people here um, to just meet with you? Jesus, for your glory, for our good, we pray these things. Amen. Uh, communion is, we've been communing with him through his word. He is the word. Uh, and communion is his idea for us to commune with him. Very tangible way uh, for as we just ask him to keep keep kind of planting these seeds in us, watering these, that these may come to life in us.
for us to meet with him. Wine and juice, obey your conscience. These are representing the blood of Jesus that was shed for us, washing us white as snow as far as the east is from the west. He has removed our sin. And so it's a cup within a cup. Then underneath that is, is the bread representing his body that was given for us, that was lived in our place. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll come together, we'll stay standing, and we'll take it as family. Uh, but before that, like, don't feel like you got to rush to the table. That's the warnings in Scripture, is don't ever come and just flippantly take this. Because this is an opportunity for transformation. So we should actually pause. Lord, search me. Search my heart. Show anything that, uh, that you're wanting to grow in me, change in me, purify in me. Uh, change ways I'm thinking of things, whatever it may be, Lord, you're in charge. Um, so it's an incredible time to, to, to repent of any, any sin that he shows us. Um, and then if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, I would just encourage you, um, instead of coming to the table, come to Jesus, give your life to him. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to do anything fancy um, other than saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I give my life to you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. Um, I'm yours, save me. And then I would say, then come to the table. <laughs> come to the table. So, so let's meet with him, then let's come to the table, then we'll take it together as family.